hands. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you again for the opportunity and privilege of coming before you like this, united in the faith as your children, your adopted ones by grace through faith in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We are grateful, Father, and we ask that you help keep us grateful at all times and in all things as we get into this topic this morning really about your faithfulness in the end. Father, we also pray for all those in our church family who are sick and struggling right now. You know their every need, their every pain. And we also pray for their caregivers, those who share that pain and sacrifice as well for what you've asked them to bear right now. Father, most of all, we're grateful for our eternal deliverance, that you've given us eternal life forever and ever as our ultimate deliverance from sin and death. We thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, who went to the cross voluntarily to remove our debt from us once for all so that we could live with you forever. All by your amazing grace, Father. Please bless this message. Guide us, open our hearts and our minds to hear what you want us to hear this morning. We ask these things in Christ's precious name, and it's by the power of your Spirit we pray. Amen. Sin deceives us away from gratitude for our healer and deliverer. I first want to thank Pastor Collins for the chance to fill in for him again this week. And it's always just a sim simply a privilege and a gift to teach the Word of God any time uh, I have the chance to before the Lord takes me home. Every time's just a privilege. Who are we to even be here this morning? As we've been studying the deceitfulness of sin, a lot of health and healing has been coming to my mind lately. And I wasn't actually sure what to title this series but I'm sure the Spirit is going to bring out the key points that He's put on my heart for you all as He always prepares me, you know, weeks in advance for when I have to do this thing. And when entering into any series, I do so prayerfully as to what message He wants me to pass along to our church as I have this opportunity to fill in for pastor. And God's always faithful. I mean, He always comes through, at least if you ask. Right? If you refuse to ask and try to do it your own way, well, you might suffer your own consequences. But he's always faithful if you just ask, and he's always, he always gives me an answer and a direction, even though it's in different ways at times. And he always uses Scripture to do so, by the way, which I might mention later on, but he always uses Scripture to make it clear what he wants to be taught. And this time he put this particular thought in my mind. The topic is on the board again. And then immediately he padded it with Scripture in an unexpected way as only the Spirit can do. And that's how he lets you know, at least how he lets me know it's from him. So rest assured that he has given us a direction this week that he wants us all to think about. Whatever situation you're in right now, he wants us all to think about this idea on the board. 
As many of you know, we have a high percentage of church members here at North Christian Church who have serious illnesses. Among the 50 or so members we have, I could list at least 15 of us that have a serious illness or even a life-threatening illness for some, and for years now. Then there are more of us that have nagging health issues in one area or another that really can't even compare to what some are going through right now. And we could speculate on why we have so many illnesses. That's a high percentage, right? That's a third of our congregation or more that has a serious health issue going on. So we could speculate about why this is happening in our church or to us. For example, is it Job-like testing from Satan? Probably not. We know that's a rare privilege. That's a rare situation. Job was a rare, righteous believer, although it's possible. Are these forms of suffering discipline as a result of long-standing sin or disobedience in our lives? That's more possible, right, if we're honest. Or are they simply thorns in the flesh, as Paul was given to keep him humble? There are probably more possibilities, but those are three main ones in Scripture we could point to. But that's not the emphasis of this series, speculating on why we have the sufferings or the illnesses we do in our church. That's not the emphasis of this series. The emphasis really could be defined as, on the board, sin deceives us away from giving gratitude to God for whatever good things we do have, including whatever health we do have. Again, sin deceives us away. It persuades us, it convinces us, it deceives us, slowly. It takes us away from giving gratitude to God for what good things we do have, including whatever health we do have. Sin discourages us, like the serpent discouraged the woman in the garden. It discourages us away from abiding in gratitude and thanksgiving for what we do have. Sin does not want us to be grateful, especially when we're suffering, because that brings more glory to God. Sin does not want us to be grateful. Sin does not want us to be thankful to God while we're going through something that we think is unfair. Sin hates when we do that just like Satan hates when we do that. So again, we're talking about, as we have been for weeks now, the deception of sin, the deceitfulness of sin within us. It's the inside agent, right? You don't even know you're doing it half the time. That's the point. That's deceit. And that's why we have to examine ourselves every day and pray every day, because we don't even realize we're being deceived by an agent within us. It's our very thinking at times, isn't it? Why would you look at your own very thinking as somebody who's trying to attack you? But that's what's going on from the inside out. So again, on the board, sin deceives us away from giving gratitude to God, or it wants to deceive us away from giving gratitude to God for whatever good things we do have, including whatever health we do have. Sin tries to remind us of what we don't have, like the Garden of Eden, right? The woman, the serpent, 
Why? What about that one tree that you don't have the right to eat from? Sin is hoping we become discontent. And that includes areas of our health where we suffer regularly. So for starters, on the board, sin, he is a liar, remember. Sin wants to coax you into thinking God is unfaithful. That your deliverer has left you or forgotten about you. Or even worse, that your deliverer hates you. And if you're the one suffering right now, or if you've ever been through suffering in your life in the past where you, know, you didn't understand it and it was painful, etc., you know how you start to doubt, and you know how it creeps in, and how you even wonder if God loves you. Okay, so these are real temptations, and that's what happens when we're still in this flesh. Why is God doing this, right? Does God even hate me? So this is what sin is doing within us as an agent to get us to question God. When God's giving us a chance to stick by him, even when it doesn't make sense to stick by him. Right? When things are unfair, the world says, how can you follow God when you're going through this? And that's the greatest opportunity, of course, to bring glory to God in front of Satan and the angels. So again, sin is a liar, remember, and sin wants to coax you into thinking God is unfaithful, that your deliverer has left you or forgotten about you, or even worse, that your deliverer hates you. If we don't tenaciously cling to the Lord on a daily basis, sin wears us down over time. No one is free from this possibility. No one has the strength or wisdom, or faithfulness to overcome the pressures of sin without clinging to the Lord. So again, just think about that for a minute, okay? Because this is the reality of life. If we don't cling to the Lord every day, sin will wear us down and deceive us. And it also wants you to believe that Christ's love for you as a believer can be extinguished. Sin would be very happy if that happens in your soul. On the board, also important to remember, even though sin and Satan are very powerful and deceptive, you might even fear Satan and sin at times. But that's wrong. We don't want to do that. don't, Don't fall for that trap either. They are very powerful, much more than we are. Even though sin and Satan are very powerful and deceptive, Let us remember, he who is in us, namely the Spirit of Jesus Christ, is greater than he who is in the world, that being Satan. 1 John 4, 4. Even though sin and Satan are very powerful and deceptive, and they are, let's remember, he who is in us, namely the Spirit of Jesus Christ, is greater than he who is in the world. In fact, it's not even close. But that takes faith. The only time sin can get the better of us is when we stop clinging to the Lord and His Word. That's the only time. Is sin more powerful than you? Yes. Is Satan more powerful than you? Absolutely. Are they more powerful than the Lord? Not even close. The Lord, the Bible says, is our great defense. He's our shield and our bulwark. 
Okay, imagine an impenetrable shield. That's the Lord. He's infinitely more powerful than sin or Satan. And I was trying to think of a way to, you know, describe this like an analogy, right? Because we think in our earthly minds, we think it's close sometimes, you know? Maybe Satan's going to get the better of me, and is the Lord really with me? We start going through those things. And we forget the Lord is actually in us as believers, and how, mu how much more infinitely powerful he is than Satan and sin. So I came up with an analogy. It's not the best, so at least I'll give you a laugh. But you're trapped in a corner by a full-grown Bengal tiger, 800-pound full-grown Bengal tiger. You're trapped in a corner. And then all of a sudden, a tornado comes by and swoops away the tiger. And you'll never see him again. I know. Pretty lame analogy. <laughs> but <laughs> just go with the main point. Remember the Lord taught parables? He only had one main point. Just go with the one main point. The Lord is infinitely more powerful than Satan. Even though Satan would crush you and devour you if, if given the chance. If the Lord let him, for example, but he won't. <laughs> the Lord can just swoop by and with the breath of his mouth swoop Satan away. Like he's nothing. So, hopefully you get the point. But greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. So it's not even close. And we, we must never lose gratitude for that reality. Deception is in this world. And the spirits of this world who try to deceive us make us forget we have the Lord Almighty with us and in us. Sin is trying to make us forget the power within us. So turn to 1 John 4, verse 1. 1 John 4, verse 1. So we're kind of setting the stage, I guess, here. As we talk about sin deceiving us away from gratitude. 1 John 4, verse 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. So, for example, you might have a spirit whispering to you right now about what you don't have, whether it's in the area of health or whatever it is. You might have a spirit, a different spirit, whispering in your ear right now. And what does John say? Don't believe every spirit. Is that, from, is that voice you're hearing from God? Does it agree with God's word? Or does it disagree with God's word? If it disagrees with God's word, you know it's another spirit. So don't believe every spirit. By this, in verse 2, you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, of which you have heard that it is coming, and now it is already in the world. You are from God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. It's not even close. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. So again, on the board, remember, sin, he is a liar. Sin wants to coax you into thinking God is unfaithful and that your deliverer has left you, 
or forgotten about you, or even worse, that your deliverer hates you. Don't buy the lie. As we know, even if we are reaping what we sow from bad decisions over the years, we know God the Father has a plan for both our growth and our deliverance. So even if you, you know, get wrapped up in trying to figure out why you're going through something and you get overwhelmed with guilt that it maybe is from your bad decisions over the years or whatever, stop right there for a minute and say, the Bible says God always has a plan for his own children. He's always got a plan going forward for growth and deliverance, even if it's from your own doing. That's how gracious God is. And he'll use it for his own glory if we turn around, right? If we repent and we turn back to him and ask him for help and guidance. God, don't forget, our God is the God of all mercies and the God of all comfort. He's merciful and gracious to whoever humbles himself before him and turns to him. I like the NIV translation here, even though no translation is perfect. It says it well here on the board. In 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 5. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. For just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. He's the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, even towards the guilty. But sin wants to discourage our faith in the Lord as our deliverer and our healer. Sin wants to discourage that and whisper in your ear and say, is he really that faithful? Is he really still with you even though you're the one that caused this or you're the one that, whatever, I reap what you sow or whatever? Is he really still faithful? Is he really still with you? And when I say sin wants to discourage our faith in the Lord as our deliverer and our healer, the word discourage, if you break it down, right, discourage, it means to take away courage. Sin wants to take away our courage in the Lord. What's another word for courage? According to our pastor, faith, right? Sin wants to take away our courage in the Lord or our faith in the Lord that he's always got a plan. He's always ready and waiting to be merciful to us. So we must never lose that truth, that hope, regardless of what we might be going through. So on the board, sin wants to discourage our faith in our deliverer. And faith in our deliverer includes gratitude for what we do have. Just think about the connection there. When our gratitude fades, our faith fades too. Giving gratitude is vital or life-giving to our faith. I threw that in there about it being life-giving. Like, think about your faith will literally die out without gratitude. It's, it's a source. It's a reminder of the goodness of God when you give thanks for what you do have. Sin wants us to forget our deliverer and that he has already delivered us, by the way, especially in our spirit, and that in the end, he will deliver us one way or the other because he's faithful. 
He's faithful even to the faithless. So again, sin wants to discourage our faith in our Deliverer. And faith in our Deliverer includes gratitude for what we do have. When our gratitude fades, our faith fades too. Giving gratitude is vital or life-giving to our faith. First of all, on the board in Ephesians 1.3, we saw this a couple weeks ago. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. So either you believe this or you don't. But this says he has blessed us already with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. These are things God has already granted his children. Spiritual deliverance. And they are at least on reserve for those who are in Christ. And what I mean by that is we may not all experience these spiritual blessings we have in our earthly lives because we don't humbly learn the Word of God. So you don't learn the Word of God, you're not going to experience the spiritual blessings He, he has for you. You're not, you still are given them by grace. They're at least on reserve for you in heaven through union with Christ but you might not experience them. On Thursday, the Spirit had us talking about eternal blessings and physical blessings. And we concluded the priceless value of the things that are eternal, that give us supernatural power while in the devil's world. You know, some of you are at at peace in a certain situation right now or have come to terms with it, have accepted it as God's plan for your life right now. And that is supernatural, first of all, and priceless, right? If you can, if you can say that, if you can come to that point before God and with God and accept what God has asked you to go through, that is like supernatural peace that you now have available to you that the world would say you're crazy. You're absolutely nuts. Seriously, you might have a psychological problem, they would say. Go see a doctor. You know, my friend, I'll tell you a quick story. Um, some of you remember my old friend Phil, who now has went home to be with the Lord. But when the doctors came in to see him in the hospital room and they told him he probably has about six months to live, Phil, he was very solemn, Phil was, and uh, letting it sink in a little bit, but he wasn't upset. And he had accepted it even right there in the hospital room. And I think I told you this story before, but did you know up to six doctors came into his room and told him something's wrong with him? Because he should be upset. Because he should be going crazy and nervous and upset and frantic. And Phil's like, I'm a born-again believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Leave me alone. <laughs> so the world doesn't understand the peace, the supernatural peace. It's totally foreign Okay, so expect that, I guess. But these things are priceless. These spiritual blessings are priceless, much more than the physical. And if we read our own Bibles, coming to our own convictions and our relationship with God, then we will be blessed with unimaginable blessings, like truly possessing the peace of God, like experiencing true freedom in your soul, where nothing and no one can bother you in this life. I mentioned this on uh, Thursday. You know, certain things in this life, 
will bother us and should bother us, like will make us sad, for example, will make us pray for someone. Um, they're not enjoyable to go through. But deep down, it doesn't disturb your peace and who you are in Christ and knowing that God has everything under control. How can you put a price on that? That you can have that type of peace and freedom. And that you can even have little or no doubts or anxiety in your soul, despite the evil speculations in this world that are thrown at us. Supernatural. These are the real blessings on the board. Peace, freedom, and no doubts or anxiety. Now, none of us are perfect, <laughs> right? I say no doubts because that's where God wants to take us, to a place of no anxiety and no doubts. None of us are perfect, though, right? But these are the divine blessings that God wants us to share in, and he wants to give us. These are divine gifts of God granted to those who obey his word. And the question is, is there anything more valuable than these things? Even the world would probably answer affirmative on that one. So we're talking about deliverance, my friends. We're talking about our divine healer as well, who has plans for deliverance for us all. The only question is his timing and his plan. His plan is to deliver us, including healing from all sorts of things, both physical and spiritual, including unhealthy soul issues and baggage we carry around in our souls that are like diseases that he wants to deliver us from. That's what our good God desires for his children. But to experience it, it requires we don't lose faith. To experience it, even though it is a reality and it is a truth, to experience it, it requires we don't lose faith. And that means maintaining gratitude at all times for all things. If we want our faith to be healthy. Maintaining gratitude at all times for all things. And this is something to really consider in your own soul. Am I uh, willing to do this? Am I willing to turn to God in humility and give thanks for all things in my life? And if you're willing to take that step of faith, even though it hurts or it even may not make sense to you, if you're willing to just take that step of faith and do that thing with God, do you think he might set you free from the anxiety, from worry, just something to really think about. God desires deliverance for all of his children, but he's also got a plan. And we're not going to experience his deliverance if we lose faith and if we lose gratitude. As came to us from the Spirit last week on the board, where our treasure is, natural man values physical things like, like this life and things in this life. He values physical things over eternal things, like salvation. A believer in Christ values eternal life and the kingdom of God above all else. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, as Jesus said. We saw 1 Kings 3, 5 through 14, and 1 John 2, 15 through 17. We saw that Solomon, 
ask God for eternal things like God's wisdom. Now, how many of you would ask God if he, if he said, ask whatever you wish? you say, oh, I want your wisdom. That'd be your first choice. He, Solomon, didn't listen to the sin nature, which wants earthly riches. He put that aside and in humility asked God for eternal things. And he asked God for help and wisdom in dealing with his people. And as we read, because he was so humble before God and he sought the things of God first, God granted him more than he even asked for, much more, including the physical things. Certainly an example of faith for us to follow. But let's read a passage now about our deliverance in context. And remember, our loving God wants to deliver us in every way. And he will deliver us one day, according to the word of God. So on the board, deliverance for the believer in Christ is guaranteed, whether it be on earth or in heaven. It simply depends upon God's perfect wisdom and purpose for our lives. His purpose for each of our lives is different. We want to be a vessel of honor if we follow him in obedience. We can be a vessel of honor, but how he uses you even as a vessel of honor is different for everyone in this room. What he wants to do with you and his purpose for you and, and where he wants to bring himself glory and in front of whom he wants to bring himself glory, it's different for every one of us. So, first of all, deliverance is guaranteed for the believer in Christ, whether it's in heaven or on earth. But it does depend upon God's perfect wisdom and purpose for our lives. That's up to him. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 10 is our main passage on this. So turn to 2 Corinthians 1. Second Corinthians 1, verse 3. And I was thinking, for some people, it's God's plan and purpose for them to die as a martyr for Christ. That's God's plan for them to die as a martyr for Christ. In fact, thousands upon thousands of Christians have died over the centuries because they stayed with the name of Christ. Why didn't God deliver them from death? Why didn't he? Right? He promises us deliverance. Well, really, it's a bad question, by the way. You might as well just say you don't believe God knows all things or that God knows what's best in each situation. But that's kind of the point, is God's got a different plan for each person. In the end, we're all going to be delivered one way or the other. But it's God's sovereign right and perfect wisdom to use us how he wants. Whatever's best for us, whatever's best for him. So look at 2 Corinthians 1 verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. We just read this in the NIV on the board a little while ago. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. 
For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so also our comfort is abundant through Christ. But if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. Or if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which is effective in the patient enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. You can see here, God's ways are not our ways, obviously. And our hope for you is firmly grounded, knowing that as you are sharers of our sufferings, so also you are sharers of our comfort. For we do not want you to be unaware, brethren, of our affliction which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened excessively beyond our strength so that we despaired even of life. Paul thought he was going to die. We know he had more than one place in his life, in his missions, where he should have died. But God spared him. So he says, We were burdened excessively beyond our strength so that we despaired even of life, like some of our own church members right now. Despair even of life itself. Indeed, we had the sentence of death within ourselves so that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great peril, so great a peril of death, and will deliver us, he on whom we have set our hope, and he will yet deliver us. Three times. He will deliver us. Situations of death are actually a blessing in disguise because they cause us to set our hope in God alone. I want you to think about that for a minute because it's hard, to, it's hard for us, at least in our flesh, to picture a situation of death as being a blessing in disguise. But how many of us, because of the sin nature within us, have hope in other things also? Do we really hope in God alone? I would argue none of us do. Do we really trust in God alone? You know what reveals that, or at least takes you to that point? When you're in a situation of death, like Paul just described, and there's literally no way out, and you're a positive, you're going to die. So what is God doing throughout life? He's sanctifying us, right? And he's setting us apart for himself. But to do that, he's got to bring us to our knees. At times... He's got to bring us to our knees where we have no other hope. You know, you might be right now clinging to 10 other things for your hope in this life. And you don't even realize it because you're deceived by sin. Me too. You don't even realize you're doing it. So what does God do? He's refining us. He takes us out of the situation. He, he puts us in a situation where we can't hope in those other nine things. So that we're in a situation where we only, like a real spiritual relationship with him we only can place our hope in him and that might be what he has some of you going through right now situations of death are actually a blessing in disguise because they cause us to set our hope in God alone and nothing else and God is a jealous God he's the only one worthy of our trust like that and so because we can't take ourselves there he takes us there through different circumstances and it's all for the good in the end. It's all rewarded with peace, supernatural peace in the end, and ultimately deliverance. 
So God must bring us really low at times for us to drop our self-reliance and turn to him alone truly. What does Paul say in uh, verse 9? Look again at verse 9. Indeed, we had the sentence of death within ourselves. Why? So that we would not trust in ourselves. Even Paul trusted in himself to a certain degree. He was human. So why did God put him in a situation of sure death, even though God ended up delivering him? From Paul's point of view, it was sure death. Why did he put him in that situation? Paul says, so we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. So the great thing about our God is, even at the bottom of the pit, he has the power and the desire to deliver us one way or the other. And that's the truth of God that the Spirit doesn't want us to lose sight of. I think that's one of the main reasons for this little mini-series this week. God doesn't want us to lose sight of that fact. That deliverance is promised and guaranteed, and that's God's actual desire for us. But because He knows all things, He knows the way to true deliverance. And it might require suffering. But being in Christ, which if you're a believer in Christ, if, you, if you've surrendered to Him and placed your trust in Him as your Lord and your Savior, you're in Christ. And that means the Bible says you have been delivered and also you will be delivered. There's no maybes. And the only uh, question mark is the timing of God. So, on the board, by faith, with gratitude, we must look forward with contentment to God delivering us. Even if right now he's saying it's not the right time in your life. By faith, with gratitude, we must look forward with contentment to God delivering us. Look forward to it. We should eagerly anticipate his deliverance one day. We don't know the form and we don't know the timing of it. But we should. We have every right to. It's proper for us to eagerly anticipate his deliverance. Even in a totally hopeless situation. Why? Because one day we're going to be delivered. One way or the other. And we know from filling our mind and therefore our conscience with the word of God that God always has his reasons. The Bible tells us if you read the word of God, that's one of the things that gets shirred up in your soul. God always has his reasons that we don't understand, but that's okay. I just want to at least have my own convictions that God has his reasons and his purposes. But back to maintaining the right perspective on gratitude. Sin is urging us to throw gratitude in the garbage can. Have you ever been through times in your life where you realize you haven't been giving thanks for anything? If you haven't, you're not human. Because I hate when I wake up one day and I realize in my prayer life I've, I've been forgetting to give thanks for even the most basic things. I'm like, oh, how did I get into that bad habit? And my faith generally is weaker at that point. If you, you know, honestly examine yourself. 
sin is deceiving us towards throwing gratitude in the garbage can. You don't need it. You don't need to give gratitude. Put that aside. Forget about that. <laughs> we could go on and on. But the truth is, as we learn from the Word of God on the board, everything in this life is a privilege. Everything in this life is a privilege. Even the things God asks us to suffer for Christ's sake. That's the proper perspective. Because we don't deserve to be alive. That's one of the things, as pastors said, we should be thanking God for every morning we wake up. Thank you, I'm alive another day. I don't deserve it. Thank you that you've rescued me from hell. I don't deserve it. So, therefore, everything's a bonus. Life itself is a bonus. We shouldn't even be here. We shouldn't have anyone that loves us. We shouldn't have a church to go to. We shouldn't have a pastor that loves us. We should not have any of these things, including the sufferings. They're actually gifts in disguise. And that's why through it all we're told to give thanks. Because whatever, whatever it is we're in right now, whatever type of suffering it is, it could be physical, it could be health, it could be mental, it could be emotional, it could be financial, it could be relationships, right? We could go on and on. Whatever type of suffering you're in right now, well, if you're in it right now, it must be the will of God for your life right now. Even if you caused it, even if it was unfair from an enemy. If you're in it right now, it must be the will of God for your life right now. God must have a purpose for allowing you to go through it. Otherwise, he would have rescued you from it, right? Why wouldn't he? He loves us to death, literally. Why wouldn't he just rescue us from every problem and every struggle right away? He wants to, actually, but he's sanctifying us. He's like, there's a greater good here that is going to be worth it in the end, trust me. Right? When we get to heaven, we'll see everything, and we'll be thanking him even for every form of suffering. But whatever you're going through, if it is the will of God right now for your life, shouldn't we give thanks for it? God has a divine reason for allowing things in our lives, even if they come from evil sources. Think of Joseph in Genesis 50 as just one example in Holy Scripture. What man means for evil, God means for good. On the board, even what sin deceives us to fall into, God can lift us up out of to his glory. I don't care if you've been the worst person or you've, you know, been a murderer or whatever, and you've been wicked your whole life. If you repent and turn to Christ, he looks forward to turning that into a, a blessing in your life somehow and bringing himself glory through the grace he's shown you. So even if it's your fault on the board, even if what sin deceives us to fall into, even when we're in that place we find ourselves due to our own fault, God can lift us up out of that to his glory. And as we well know by now, God's will for us is directly stated in 1 Thessalonians 5.18. On the board, in the NIV, verses 16 through 18, Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's 
will for you in Christ Jesus. I guess it's important to God that you give thanks for all things. That's part of God's will for you. I know we've seen this before, but think about that. That is directly stated as one of, I don't know, maybe a handful of things in the Bible, directly stated as God's will for you. So now I want you to put your thinking caps on. All right? I know you're getting tired and you want more coffee or whatever. But put your thinking caps on for a minute and make this connection. What has been our base definition of sin throughout our recent series on the deceitfulness of sin? What has been our base definition of sin on the board? The simple definition for sin, sin is any lack of conformity to God's will. Anything against God's will is a sin, whether expressed actively or passively. So if anything against God's will is a sin, and it's God's will that you give thanks for all things, then it is a sin when you don't give thanks for all things. Amen? I mean, it couldn't be much simpler. What, would, what more would sin like to attack than something directly stated as God's will for you? We're talking about the deceitfulness of sin, right? What more would your sin nature like to attack from within than something directly stated as God's will for you? So that means pay extra attention to this area of our lives. The last thing sin wants us to do is to be thankful for what we do have. That's the last thing sin wants us to do. So I hope you see it, just like in the Garden of Eden. On the board, we're giving in to sin when we stop being thankful for all things. When's the last time you thought about it from that perspective? When you forget to give thanks on a regular basis, right? Every day for everything. For everything you can list. The more things you list, the happier you're going to be. But when's the last time you looked at it like this? That when you stopped giving thanks, you actually gave in to sin. Sin just deceived you. Sin just pulled the wool over your eyes. You don't really need to give thanks. Just live your own life. Sin just fooled you. And this is big. This is big to God. It's part of his will. The sin nature is lying to us, and it doesn't want us to see the blessings that are in disguise. And part of the way we see the blessings that are in disguise, even in suffering situations, is by giving thanks for the things we do have, even for the suffering itself. That's one way to see through the deception. To see through the suffering to the other side and see it as a blessing by giving gratitude, by giving thanks. See, this is supernatural stuff, guys. Like, this is hard to describe. You might say, does it really work that way? You know, why do you say that? I don't know. All I can tell you is the Spirit's trying to give me the words to explain it, but I can't really explain it. But what happens is when we do it, in humility, when we submit to God and we do these things, He reveals it. And He does something in your soul. These are supernatural things. And the Spirit is saying, obey. 
trust me, do it my way, and watch what happens. Watch how I even change your outlook on things, and therefore your peace and your contentment. Sin also doesn't want us to remember God's ability to turn curses into blessings. In other words, forget that God's your deliverer and your healer. So we have to be on guard for his schemes. So in this series, the Spirit has given us to remind us of the right perspective on life and health and the one who delivers us in his perfect timing. What happens to us as we live life in the flesh for now? What happens to us over time? What happens is, if when the timing of God's deliverance isn't to our liking, we get discouraged. We say, I can't take this anymore, right? Some of you for years have been bearing with a certain suffering. So when the timing isn't to our liking, we get discouraged, discouraged. And that is from your sin nature, saying, don't have faith, drop your faith. Sin whispers lies to us. Like, why are you holding fast your faith in the Lord? Why hasn't God delivered you yet? That's the serpent whispering in our ears. The mature believer, the one who stays in the word of God and like obeys it and submits to it, he says, in my father's perfect timing, I'll be delivered. Satan, stop whispering in my ear, you know. In my father's perfect timing, I'll be delivered. Just like Jesus basically said when he was tempted by the devil in the wilderness. But sin, remember, is relentless and persistent. Isn't it? We all know from experience, sin is relentless and persistent. So be ready for it. Don't let it pull the wool over your eyes. Don't think that that the way you're thinking is always good. The way you're thinking is not usually good if you're not filled with the Spirit. The way you're thinking, it can run away on us at times. And before you know it, you're thinking this thing and you were deceived into thinking that thing. So on the board, sin strategy. Even after you have a victory over sin, and especially after you have a victory over sin, be ready for a counterattack. Don't be stupid. <laughs> Don't think sin's given up in that area of your life because you've overcome. Be ready for a counterattack, always. That's why the Bible says, you know, keep, keep your shield of faith up. That's like a constant. And sin will continually try to discourage you from gratitude for your deliverer and his blessings in your life making you look at what you don't have. So that's the strategy, one of the strategies of sin. So be, be on guard for that, right? Don't let the tiger creep up on you when you know it's there. Be on guard. Sin will continually try to discourage you from gratitude for your deliverer and his blessings in your life, making you look at what you don't have. We so often look at what we don't have that's the huge mistake from the Garden of Eden. It continues throughout human history for thousands of years. Look at what you don't have, says Satan. 
So we have a pain in a certain part of our body or we're dealing with a certain illness. But we forget we can still see. We take our sight for granted. We lose our sight one day. But we forget we can still hear. We might lose our hearing one day. But we can still feel and taste and touch and smell. It's so easy to look at the things we don't have. But what about all the miracles that we do have? As our faithful pastor has said over the years, be thankful for the health you do have. Be thankful for the health you do have. See, the Spirit's trying to give us the right perspective. He's like, this is the way to freedom. Look at it this way. Trust me, I got a plan. But also don't forget the stuff that you still do have, that I've left you with, that you still can enjoy. Gratitude is one of the keys to staying in the will of God for our lives and having His peace. It's one of the keys to bringing God glory with our lives. And as we saw in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, sin hates the will of God being accomplished in our lives. Sin hates when we give thanks in all things as part of God's will. There really are only a few things we can clearly say that Holy Scripture says are tops on God's list of God's will for our lives. What is God's will for our lives? I mean, it's different for each one of us in some ways, but there are certain things that, like, Scripture gives us as general things that are the will of God for our lives as believers. One major part we've already seen is giving thanks, right? 1 Thessalonians 5. We also know we're called to the Great Commission in Matthew 28 to reach out and make disciples. We also know it's God's desire for all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth in 1 Timothy 2.4. These are clearly God's will, these things. So let's see a few more passages where God's will is made clear for us, leading us back to being grateful to our Deliverer in the process, even in suffering. So turn uh, with me in your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 3. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3. First of all, on the board, God's will includes our sanctification. This is clearly stated as a part of God's will for us. Look at 1 Thessalonians 4.3. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. That is, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in lustful passion like the Gentiles who do not know God. We talked about that on Thursday. Not in lustful passion like the Gentiles who do not know God and that no man transgress and defraud his brother in the matter, because the Lord is the avenger of all these things, just as we also told you before and solemnly warned you. 
But God has not called us for the purpose of impurity, but in sanctification. Again, that's God's will for us. Sanctification. So he who rejects this is not rejecting man, but the God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. So whatever it takes to sanctify us, that's God's will for our lives. If God's will for us is sanctification, which we just read in verse 3, then whatever it takes to sanctify us is part of God's will for our lives. And because we don't obey all these commands we just read, God has to discipline us to take us to sanctification because we're not humble enough to be taken there by pure obedience. Nobody is. So God says, okay, I am going to have to discipline you at times. I'm going to allow certain things at times, etc., 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 because that's the way I can take you to sanctification. And because sanctification is my will, these things that take you there are part of my will for you. We have to accept it if we want to be at peace. We have to give thanks even for these things if we want to be at peace with God. But without a doubt, part of God's will for us is to be sanctified in this life. And that's why we should also be grateful for his discipline in our lives, even though it's painful, because it's a blessing in disguise from a faithful father. How about God's will, including obeying our authorities? Go to 1 Peter 2, 13. 1 Peter 2, 13. You know, I get emotional at times thinking about some of the things that some of our members are going through. And it's hard to relate if you've never gone through some of these things yourself. But um, it's a good thing to remember we're all family and we all suffer together with one another. And uh, we're with you in spirit if you can't be here. 1 Peter 2.13 Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution whether to a king as the one in authority or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. For such is the will of God, that by doing right, including verse 13, submitting to every human institution, such is the will of God that by doing right you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. Act as free men and do not use your freedom as a covering for evil but use it as bond slaves of God. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. This, my friends, is clearly stated as the will of God for our lives also. And then we have on the board, then we have suffering as part of the will of God for our lives. And knowing God has a purpose to remain in gratitude for it. Go to 1 Peter 4, verse 12. <clears throat> Suffering is a part of the will of God for our lives. And we know God has a purpose for it. And he wants us to remain in gratitude for it. <clears> 1 <throat> Peter 4, 12. Beloved, do not be surprised 
at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing, so that also at the revelation of his glory, you may rejoice with exultation. If you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Make sure that none of you suffers as a murderer, or a thief, or an evildoer, or a troublesome meddler. In other words, make sure you don't suffer from giving in to this deceitfulness of sin in your life. Right? But if anyone suffers as a Christian, he is not to be ashamed, but is to glorify God in this name. For it is time for judgment to begin with the household of God. And if it begins with us first... What will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is with difficulty that the righteous is saved, what will become of the godless man and the sinner? Therefore, those also who suffer according to the will of God shall entrust their souls to a faithful creator in doing what is right. We might want to tattoo that on our forehead. In reverse, so when we look in the mirror, we can read it, like the ambulance. But (laughs) seriously, what a great verse to remember. Those also who suffer according to the will of God shall entrust their souls to a faithful creator in doing what is right. Do we trust the Lord no matter what sight tells us? Even Even if your suffering doesn't make any sense, Do we trust the Lord anyway because he's faithful in doing what is right? In other words, will we abide in gratitude even when things aren't going our way? Even when the timing is off, even when we don't see an end to it, will we abide in gratitude? That's what the Spirit's asking of you and challenging you to accept that call of faith even. And when we have health problems, will we trust God and thank him for what we do have? On the board in 1 Peter 4.19, the same verse in the Amplified Version. Therefore, those who are ill-treated and suffer in accordance with God's will must do right and commit their souls in charge as a deposit to the one who created them and will never fail them. It's a very personal thing between each of us and the Lord to do this thing. So, as we begin to close, after the Spirit gave me the unction to teach on gratitude for our health one morning in the shower, sorry if that's TMI, but it is what it is, I said to the Lord in my soul, I'm like, what? What do you mean? I really didn't want to teach on this. Um, Is this really the direction you want me to go in? We have a lot of people that are really suffering in our congregation, Father. And he tells you, yeah, I know. (laughs) But I didn't like what he gave me. And it it seemed odd to me. Um, About a half hour later, he had two scriptures waiting for me in my daily Bible reading where he made it clear that this is what he wanted me to teach. Just a coincidence, I guess, right? But he makes it clear, and he has his ways. 
And that's how he reaffirms things for me. And I'm just sharing this so that this way I know the idea, this topic is from him and not from myself. It wasn't my own idea. It was his idea. How does he reaffirm these things, even in our daily lives, through scripture, if we're reading it? But how does he reaffirm these thoughts you get in your head? You're like, huh, should I do that? Is that from you, Lord? And then you go to your Bible, and in the very chapter that you're on, it says it. And you have to be an idiot to not see it. That's the value in reading our Bible. One of the values. He reaffirms things to you on whether they're from him or from yourself. And what could be more valuable than that as we try to decipher life? So let me share with you those scriptures that God gave me to reaffirm this topic for you all. Uh, go to Exodus 14, verse 10. Exodus 14, 10. I want to thank Alice for my cute kitty cup this morning. Thank you very much. It's all Alice's fault. Don't let it distract you. <laughs> Exodus 14.10. These are how the Word of God tells us how to know if certain ideas are from Him or certain ideas are from yourself. Exodus 14.10. As Pharaoh drew near... The sons of Israel looked, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they became very frightened. So the sons of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, Is it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt with us in this way, bringing us out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we spoke to you in Egypt, saying, Leave us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Now, by the way, we'd probably say the same thing if we were in their situation out of fear. Let's face it. If we saw the entire Egyptian army coming at you with chariots and you have no weapons, how would you react? So don't be so hard on the Jews. But anyway, Moses said to the people in verse 13, Do not fear. Stand by and see the salvation or the deliverance of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians, whom you have seen today, you will never see them again forever. The Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. What a passage, huh? Do not fear. Stand by and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. And in verse 14, the Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. How many of us are willing to stay silent? Which implies contentment within the situation. Sitting back and trusting the Lord will take care of us. Moses said the Lord will deliver you and the Lord will save you. What did we see earlier in our message? The Lord will deliver you. It's actually guaranteed. It's one way or the other. We, it's up to him how and when, but those are just the facts of the matter on the board. Stand by and watch his deliverance. This implies contentment and abiding in gratitude even while in the middle of the pressures of suffering. It's kind of what Moses said to the, to the people, right? Do not fear. Stand by and watch. 
In other words, be content. You have no other choice anyway. Isn't it great when you get in a situation where you really have no other choice but to trust God? It's like better, isn't it? <laughs> you have no chance and no, nothing you can do. But anyway, um, it gives you a chance to be content. Have gratitude. Sin wants you to throw gratitude in the garbage can. Sin doesn't want you to sit back and be content like this and wait for his deliverance because you know he's the God of all gods and the God of the universe. Sin wants you to give in to fear and discouragement and forget about your faithful deliverer, the Lord Jesus Christ. So the question is, will you fall for the lies? Will you fall for the lies? I'm just going to give you one last quick verse, and this is just a hint for what we'll cover on Tuesday. Uh, look at Exodus 15, verse 26. <clears throat> this is the other verse that was in my reading that day that God used to confirm this topic for you all. Verse 26, And he, God, said, If you will give earnest heed to the voice of the Lord your God, that means his word, by the way, and do what is right in his sight, and give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have put on the Egyptians, for I, the Lord, am your healer. I, the Lord, am your healer. So just think about that truth. Regardless of what you're going through, I'm going to close with uh, this point on the board I want to leave you with today. Never doubt. Never doubt. Doubt is from sin and Satan. So anytime you start doubting, recognize that's who it's from. It's from a source of evil. Never doubt. The Lord is our deliverer and our healer. And there's a time for everything under the sun, a time for testing, a time for refining, a time for silently waiting on the Lord, and also a time for deliverance, which is guaranteed to us one day. So we'll continue with this more on Tuesday. Let's bow. Father, we thank you again for your word and your spirit guiding us. We thank you for the reminder of the importance of gratitude as part of your very will and how sin seeks to deceive us away from that thing, that very source of happiness and peace and even faith. Father, help us walk away today and give gratitude in the face of all that doesn't make sense and give thanks for what we do have because you are gracious and merciful and you always have a plan, Father. We're so grateful for that. We ask that you bless us all as we go and help us bring your word out to a lost and dying world that needs to know your faithfulness. We ask these things in Christ's precious name and by the power of your spirit, we pray. Amen.